Welcome to Beyond Your Why podcast, where we go beyond just talking about your why and actually help you discover and then live your why. You see, we believe that knowing your why, that driving force behind every decision you make and every action you take, is the essential first step to really knowing yourself. It allows you to move forward faster and have a bigger impact. If you're already a fan of the show, then you know that every week we talk about one of the nine whys, and then we introduce you to somebody with that why so you can see how their why has played out in their life. This show will be more powerful for you if you've already discovered your why. If you still need to do that, head over to whyinstitute.com and discover your why today. It'll only take you about five minutes. Now let's meet today's guest. Today, we're going to be talking about the why of make sense, to make sense of the complex and challenging. So if this is your why, you are driven to solve problems and resolve challenging or complex situations. You have an uncanny ability to take in lots of data and information, observe situations and circumstances around you, and sort through them to create order. You consider factors, problems, and concepts, and organize them into solutions that are sensible and easy to implement. It is not that you even enjoy problem solving necessarily, you simply can't help yourself. It is the lens through which you view the world. Interestingly, it is not necessary for you to share your solutions on a continuous basis. It's sufficient that you yourself have solved the problem and resolved the complexity of the situation. Often you are viewed as an expert because of your unique ability to find solutions quickly. You also have a gift for articulating a solution and summarizing it clearly in understandable language for your own benefit and the benefit of others. You believe that many people are stuck and that if they could just make sense out of their situation, they could find a simple solution and move forward. You help them understand and see their way through this. Now, today, I've got a great guest for you. His name is David Kesey, and he can recall the instant he decided to become a professional baseball player. And on the crux of beginning his baseball career, an accident left him with a fractured wrist and a damaged goods label. Afterwards, David found himself suicidal, depressed, and massively in debt, sleeping on his parents' couch, looking for any way to succeed after baseball. Through self-work and reinvention, he launched his professional business career that spans across multiple industry, music, to real estate, to online business, to consulting. Today, he coaches highly successful business executives and elite level athletes who desire to step their game up and help them achieve 10 to 15x their results. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. So before we started, you and I were talking a little bit about this why of makes sense. Yeah. How you are that guy that, you know, I watched your video. And for those of you that haven't seen it, go to his website and watch his video of his story because it's it's fascinating. And, and it it was really uh, interesting to see how you had to make sense of a lot of challenges that you faced. Yeah, I definitely did. You know, um, and it, it's it's interesting as uh, as I went through what what you teach, I really began to go through my entire life and see evidence of that. Not just in that baseball story, but you know, I I died when I was eight years old, and I had that happen to me. And um, and through that, I had to you know when you go through that experience, you're going through that on your own, right? Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not letting you off the hook on that one. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting by by telling us you died at eight, and now we're here talking. What <laughs> happened? Give us that story. 
Well, I, um, I was, my mom used to tell me, we lived in Chatsworth, California, and my mom used to tell me, honey, you can go anywhere you want. We lived in a cul-de-sac. Just don't go past the stop sign. And, uh, I said, no problem. And I, I'm, I go out there, I'm playing on my bike one day, but I, I decide to get a little bit, you know, be a risk taker. And I look at both ways and I, I cross the stop sign and, um, drunk driver came around the corner, came up on the sidewalk, hit me. I hit my head. Um, my mom got a knock at the door. Are you Mrs. Kesey? Yes. Is your son David? Yes. You should probably come quick. And there I was laying there in the middle of the road and the ambulance came, picked me up, put me in the back, put my mom in the front seat. And my mom heard it. She heard that, that, uh, you know, traditional beep, beep, beep. And it just flatlined. Um, and they were like, we lost him. And my mom's like, the heck you did. You better find a way to bring him back. Um, and then when I came back, I got to the hospital, they revived me. Uh, and then I went into a three day coma they didn't know how long I was going to be in that coma. And then I ended up waking up from that coma, remembered everything. And it was kind of a miracle, I guess I was really blessed, really lucky. You had more to do. Yeah, I had more to do. So take us, give us the, um, give our, our listeners kind of your story. Uh, take us through that time to then you got into baseball. Then what happened? Give us your story. Sure. And so I had already been playing baseball at the age of four. That, that car accident happened when I was eight. Um, and, uh, you know, I miraculously didn't have a broken bone in my body with the exception of my head, which they fixed up and everything. And so I just continued, I recovered pretty quickly. And then, um, I began playing baseball and just continued that obsession. And, you know, to, to your program, I was constantly trying to make sense of like, how do I simplify the process so that I could become a professional baseball player. And so I went through little league. I went through high school, led the state of Florida in hitting, played college ball. And then, uh, the draft came and went because as you mentioned, I had hurt my wrist. And so, but I, I didn't want to give up on my goal. So I, I took a risk. I went out and I tried out for a minor league team and I, I made it and ended up playing six years professionally. Um, and there was along the way to your, to, to the credit of your program. So along the way, as I look back, it was constantly refining, refining, making sense. And as I did that, I could actually change the rules of the game almost like I could bend the rules within the game of baseball. Cause I mean, I'm five, nine, one I'm not, I mean, these pro guys are six, four, two forty, And that, that is, it's occurring to me that that was the skill that allowed me to play at that professional level played six years. And then like most professional baseball players, I ended up broke and uh, not knowing what to do. I ended up depressed and um, $50,000 in debt, 250 bucks to my name. My mom was making my car payments. And I, again, had to reinvent myself and make sense of, okay, what is life like? after baseball. It's all I had known. Um, and so I entered into the world of business and I was in sales and I worked for AT&T and I worked in real estate and I ran a business called All Aspects Baseball and um, went on this journey for about 10 years and then got into the coaching industry space, became a speaker and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. It's almost like that same thing that... that that, that making sense of it is what got me through to reinvent myself at every level. So that's kind of the journey of how we got to today. Now, when you talk about you were obsessed with baseball, give us a sense of what that was like when you were little. Because I saw that in your video. Tell the, yeah. the listeners, like, what, what's it like to be obsessed with baseball? You, even to this day, uh, you know, I can't think of a time. I can't think of baseball without David and David without baseball. 
Um, which is why it led me to this whole space of like depression, because it was like having a, a relationship or a marriage for 27 years of your life that all of a sudden is not there. Boom, gone. It's over. Um, and so what it's like to be obsessed with baseball is that uh, I guess the best way I could sum it up would be a quote by Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee said in the beginning of martial arts, a punch was just a punch. It was just, you know, you just punch. And then as you get down the journey of mastery and that obsession, you'd start to realize, wait a minute, a punch is much more than a punch. There's these angles and there's this and there's that. He said, and then, then once you begin to master martial arts, you realize a punch is just a punch, right? So in the beginning, there was this obsession. I would sleep with my bat. I would sleep with my glove. I would be toggling Ken Griffey Jr. swings and mimicking how he did it. And there's got to be more to it. And then, uh, you know, it, it was much more than just a swing. And then when I got to pro ball, I, I realized it, it's just really a swing, right? <laughs> in fact, what was interesting about that in terms of this obsession was I obsessed, Gary, over my swing my entire life. And I had a video in pro ball of me at 14 years old hitting and then a video of me in pro ball hitting. And I had it on a split screen. You know, it was crazy. All those years of mastery and changing my swing, the swing was identical. Oh my gosh. It was really funny. Yeah. So what was it like to be obsessed with baseball? Uh, I think it was, it was a, it got to a spiritual experience. Really? Because you played how many different teams in one day? I mean, didn't you play on a lot of different teams? Yeah, I literally, I played on five teams at once. And my mom would pack up the uniforms and go car to car to car. I mean, that's all I did. That's all I did. Yeah. So why did you pick the swing to master versus, say, the pitch? Um, well, I was a position player. So, so like, position... I was always a pretty good athlete. So I was really good at fielding. Um, and the hitting, I was a very high, what I call a high maintenance hitter, meaning there were guys who, you know, you see in the major leagues, even now, you know, um, these major leaguers who just are gifted, they pick up a bat and they're like, Oh, ball, bam, home run. I wasn't really like that. I was a high maintenance hitter, meaning I had to conti continuously be building my skill level and monitoring that skill level where if I didn't hit for weeks at a time, I would lose it. Um, so I had to keep focusing on building the skill and keeping the skill because what I lacked in talent, I realized it could make up in hard work. And so the reason I focus on the hitting is because the hitting was much more high maintenance for me. That's why. So it, you know, when I looked at again, back to your video that I watched, it was, you figured things out, you reached a really high level and then you got beat down. Yeah. And something happened and you had to like start over again. Yep. And then you came up and then you had to start over again. Mm -hmm. So share with the listeners uh, what happened to you when you were one of the top hitters in college and you were going to get a drafted by the pros. Yeah. And then I broke my wrist is what it went up have. Right. So I had all the scouts sitting in the stands and um, they were all sitting there with my agent and the, the pitcher threw the ball to the batter, the batter bunted the ball and I was playing second base and I went over to cover first base. The pitcher missed through the ball up the line. So I went to reach it and the runner ran into my wrist and down I went. And I watched all of these scouts as I was laying on the ground and the trainer came out to help me. I watched all the scouts close up their books and get up and walk away. And my agent was trying to talk them into staying. And my agent's words literally when I said, hey, what happened? He said, son, I'm really sorry, but they don't invest or buy damaged goods and you're now damaged goods. I'm like, but I'm leading the league in doubles and I'm doing really well. And he's like, yeah, I understand. But with a broken wrist, you become a liability. 
Um, they just don't know if that risk is going to recover. Will you be able to hit the same way? All that stuff. And so that was pretty devastating. And it was towards the end, right? So it was like in my senior year of college, it was my last year to really prove myself. And the draft came and went and then school was over and then I had nowhere to play. Um, so I ended up playing summer ball for a guy named Murphy Sua, who was like a second dad to me. He was, he's like, you know what, come play for me, keep your skills up and then you can go try to try out places. And this is kind of where Gary, I, I have that thing of that's where find a way came from, mm-hmm. you know, right. When you think that life has changed your course, I find a lot, if a lot of people would just go that extra 20% past where they think they can go, uh, you end up opening up a whole new world of possibility. So as I played for Murphy and it was probably about a month or two months, I, I got a call back from a minor league team that said, okay, here's your shot. And I went out and I happened to make it. Um, and there was that whole reinvention of myself again, after, after breaking my wrist. So that's kind of what that was like. And it was, it was, it was very much risk taking, right? Like there was a lot of risk. Uh, I was risking a lot. I was risking. I think if you watch the video, I was risking being left out in the middle of Texas with no food, no, no, no job that like not knowing anybody. Um, but I was willing to do that because of the, actually what you alluded to earlier, which was the obsession. Yeah. Wow. Not many people are willing to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess not. And, and like, what is that? How, why? Yeah. You, you're, you are brilliant at what you do. Do you have any insight of why that would be? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think you could probably figure. So with the why of makes sense, you're yeah. like we talked about taking in whatever's happening and working it, working with it on the fly, right? You're way better than most people at doing that. I'm sure you do that everywhere, even on stage when you're speaking now, stuff's going to happen, but so what you can handle it, right? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. I think that what's that? As you say, you're never going to give a presentation or a speech that goes as planned. It just doesn't work that way. And something's not going to work. The the clicker's not going to work. The lights go out, whatever happens, but it won't matter for you. Because you can handle yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. It, it, uh, and I think what, as we, as we're talking about, it, I think one of the things that's helped me a lot was ironically dying at eight years old. When, when you've experienced that and you wake up every morning and you're like, I get another one. Oh my gosh, I got another one. Um, you have what, what I call mortality motivation, right? Like you, you understand that um, the worst thing that could happen is that you lose. And then you get up and you try again and you get up and you try again. And I think to this point of make sense, my brother said something to me when I was about 14 years old, I asked him, what's going to happen if I commit my entire life to being a professional baseball player and it doesn't work? Like I'll, I'll fail. And I won't, because I committed my whole life, I won't have built the skills in the workplace and all that kind of stuff to, to survive after baseball. And he said, that won't happen. And he's always been my mentor. My brother's always, he's 15 years, my senior. He's always been my, my mentor. Uh, and he's always had my back. And he said, and this is, this is the part that I've always latched onto, right? Like I remember this from 14 years old. He said, you'll always be okay because when you try to master something, there's a theory that he has called everything's relative. 
So you master these things in baseball and those things will carry over into whatever profession that you do. And I didn't understand that at the time because it just had nothing to compare it to. But once I, I left baseball and I got into business and I got into sales, I realized, whoa, sales is a lot like baseball. It, you know, the failure rate, right? You talk to 10 people, you get nine no's, you get one yes. That sounds a lot like batting. You know, you get out seven times and you're a Hall of Famer. And so there was a lot of this, uh, what made sense for me was this idea that how you do one thing is how you do everything. Everything's relative. If you have this path of mastery, that mastery is how you master anything. And so that helped me make sense in all the other endeavors that I went into in my life. Let's talk for a minute about what you meant and what, well, so you, you played six years in a pro baseball and then you're out and now you're back home with no idea what to do with yourself. And you have to reinvent yourself. What do you mean by reinvent? What happened to reinvent yourself? And what was the difference? That's a good question. So I am. When I left baseball, I went into a massive depression. And later on, I needed to make sense of that. Like, why did I go into a depression? And what occurred to me was. uh, It was my ego. I had identified myself as a baseball player. And so, well, the problem with that is when you're not, who are you then? And you lose your identity and you're like, well, how, how do I operate in the world? Like, who am I to the world? Who am I to me? If I'm not playing baseball, I must be nobody, uh, which isn't true. But you come to those conclusions, right? So it was this idea of saying, well, okay, what does David Kesey look like if he's not playing baseball? And so I, I there was this, this struggle, right? Like, I, I, I struggled to let go of that identity. My first base, my first business that I opened was called All Aspects Baseball, which was relatively successful. Um, but it was really grinding on my body. But why did I start that baseball business? Cause I was just, I, it's my identity. I just, ah. And at some point, I met a man, a man named Matthew Ferry, who's a very good friend of mine, a mentor. And he kind of opened up my eyes. He's like, you don't even realize who you actually are. You're not just a baseball player. You're much more than a baseball player. I think a lot of people don't realize that. Well, I'm a musician. I'm a guitarist. You're way more than just a guitarist. Um, and to understand that is it helps you make sense of the world a little bit better. And so reinventing myself meant, okay, I've got a lot more. There's obviously, if I was supposed to be a baseball player, I still would be. But I obviously have more to do. There's more of a calling that I have. My job is to just let it unfold and see what that is. And so as that would happen, I was constantly reinventing myself. It's funny, I'm even reinventing myself right now into a into newer brand. But it was really the reason I went into the depression was an identity crisis. And then once I realized that I'm not a baseball player, I'm much more than that. Right. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a friend. I'm a mentor. I'm a coach. I'm all these things. And there's a reason why I'm not a baseball player anymore. And how can I take those life lessons and contribute to the world? And once I did that, I, I found that when I stopped focusing on me and I focused on serving, my identity became very clear, right? My, my, uh, my role became very clear. Reinventing myself became very easy. How did you feel? I have a different, another question, follow up to that, but I was thinking yeah. about this because I kind of went through something similar in that I, I racquetball was my sport and I competed at a at, you know, world-class level. And, and then when that was over, I didn't have anything to replace competition with, you know, do you yeah. know what I mean by that? I mean, playing well, of at the course. Yeah. Yeah. Also now 
I, I was training for things. I was excited about the next competition and now I have nothing to train for. Yep. Nothing to be excited about. Did you? Yeah, I did. I actually remember the moment I felt it. I was going to the gym and I got on the treadmill and I was running, doing a warm up, getting ready to do one of my hour and a half to two hour workouts that you do every single day as a pro athlete. Like I was getting, I was on the treadmill and I remember hitting the stop button and going, <laughs> what am I doing? Like, and I, I went home because I realized what, what am I running for? And, you know, I've started to put back on a few pounds, started to get a little lazy because right? I realized there was no reason there was that, that competitive drive was gone. Right. And so it, it was really important to find that again, to find like to, to what I call recontextualize or reframe or look at the world differently in a way that would make sense to continue make like, so now I'm very consistent again. I'm very disciplined on my working out, but it's not because I'm trying to go compete in baseball. It's because I want to be healthy. I want to have energy for my business every single day. I want to be able to serve people and stay in a good mood. So there was this direction of focus that changed, but you're right. Like when you have been doing that and competing and then you lose that competitive outlet, it's like, uh, <laughs> now what? Yeah. Have you found that speaking has been able to replace that? Um, speaking, you know what it was for me is that I, I speaking's funny because the way my speaking gig happened, I was working for a, a big, big, big coaching personal development company. And one of our, I, I was the director of sales. So I was filling these events. I was, I was from a sales floor. I had the sales floor was filling these events and we filled this event. We hit our goal. There's going to be like 300 people in the room. And the, the owner goes, Hey, um, our speaker's sick and can't do it. We're gonna have to cancel the event. And I'm like, no, we're not. And they were like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, do you have his presentation? And they were like, yeah, I'm like, I'll go do it. And so I get on my suit and I go, I've never spoke before in my life. And I get on my suit, I take his presentation. I look through it and I'm like, ah, I can't memorize this. I'm just going to go teach. And then I went and taught and I knocked it out of the park and people were like, Oh my gosh, you changed my life. And when they said that, I went, oh, wow. Like that, that was just as good as hitting a grand slam in the ninth inning to change somebody's life. And it was almost like speaking chose me. I didn't choose speaking. So um, when it came to the speaking, it wasn't really much like base, although it kind of is right. You're preparing for game day. You have game day. When we run our own events, we have 200, 300 people there. That's very much like a three day, four day tournament or something. So I guess now that you say it, it does kind of make sense that speaking is a lot like baseball. Yeah. That's me. what I have found is, is when I speak at events now, I go through the same emotions of getting yep. ready to perform, right? And, and I put uh -huh. in the work in the background and, uh, beforehand, and I've, I've uh, trained myself, and I'm always looking to improve it, and I'm tweaking this or tweaking that, and I go, you know, you get nervous, and then as soon as it starts, you're in the moment, and you're not nervous anymore, yeah. and you got to perform. Oh my gosh, man. That is exactly how it is. Now that you're saying that, I'm like, I do do that same visualization. I do do that same meditation. I do listen to music. I do prep myself. I do work on my mechanic. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Yeah. I never even thought about it like that. It helped me because it replaced that need that I had to train for something. I got to, <laughs> I got to perform somewhere to yeah. keep doing what I do. And obviously you can't do it on the baseball field or in me for me. Right. right. Well, but I can when I get on stage. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because when I have a three, four day event, you know, these are full day events. And so I'm walking, speaking, jumping up and down, those kinds of things. And I always know that, right? So like we have our next event probably in February and March, I'll be training my butt off December, January, February for that cardio to be able to have. So it's so funny that you say that. That is how it is. Yeah. While we take a moment to give our guest a quick break, I hope you're hearing how important it is to know your why. If you're ready to put an end to your frustration and unlock the code to your personal and business success, then after the show, make sure to head to whyinstitute.com and discover your why today. It only takes about five minutes. Let's get back to the show. So how I might think about it is that your your why is to make sense of the complex and challenging, right? And so you've done that in baseball. Uh, you've done that. Well, what you just chose for all those years was baseball, but you can choose anything else and you're going to bring that same thing to it. Yes. Whether that's your own business, whether that's coaching, whether that's uh, speaking, mm-hmm. you're going to help people make sense of the challenge that they're facing, whatever that challenge is. And I'm sure you run into plenty of them. I I can't figure out how to get more clients. I can't figure out how to do X. And then you come in and say, okay, let's work together. Let's understand what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you say that I'm thinking back through, and it was so funny when I was taking your test um, and I was going through this, this uh, assessment, I was like, is this true? Is this true? It's trying to make sense and simplify stuff. Right. And I look over on my desk and I've got my frameworks on one page that I earlier been like, this is my business model right here. I basically teach people these frameworks to make it simple, right? So we have something in our sales training division where when I train people on sales called conversational power, and it basically comes down to five little blocks. So I take this complex thing called sales and I go, look, it just comes down to these five things. Follow that five things. You know what I mean? So I've got it for mindset. I've got it for coaching. I've got it for businesses. In fact, um, that big company I was working for when I was director of sales, I started as a salesperson there and they were trying to figure out like, how do we teach everybody to be good at selling? And that's actually how I came up with my sales process is I was like, look, everybody, super simple. Here's what I do. I break it down to here, break it down to here, break it down to here, follow those. And it blew that company from 7 million to 60 million. So that you're right. That's always been my thing is that how do I simplify it? How do I make it so that people can understand it? And more importantly, how do I make it so that I can understand it? Side note real quick is um, I even did that in baseball. Like we were talking about my hitting, right? Hitting a baseball is very complex. You've got a ball that's going 90 miles an hour. It may be going 70 miles an hour. We don't know where it's going to go. And the swing mechanics, I mean, there's a hundred things that could go wrong. And what I ended up doing is I met a man named Manny Moda who's in the baseball hall of fame now, right? I played with his son, Tony Moda. And Manny said to me, you know, um, it really all just works out if you try to hit the ball at the second baseman. And I was like, and I, I latched onto that and I went, is that true? Because that would really simplify things. And so as I tried to hit the ball at the second baseman, I video my swing. I'm like, all I have to do, I don't have to worry about the swing. I don't have to worry about the ball. I don't have to, all I have to do is try to hit the ball at the second baseman every single time. And my mechanics worked out. So I tried it. I went out there and I hit a line drive right at the second baseman and I got out and I'm like, great advice. (laughs) (laughs) But then I ended up going three for four. It worked out really well, but that was the whole process. The thing that really made me a good hitter was I was able to go simplify that down to 
hit the ball to second baseman. Then when I was teaching kids, kids would go to these coaches and they'd be like, well, you got to have this launch angle. That's got to be 42%. It's got to be. And I'm like, forget all that. Try to hit the ball to second baseman. And they would, and they do really good. So like, it's funny how that just manifests and everything. Like, it's almost like, you know me better than I know me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me ask you another question. Do you, when you get interested in something, whether that's a hobby, I know you did in baseball, but let's take something besides baseball. Do you dive in deep and learn as much as you can possibly learn about it? Or do you learn just enough? I learn as much as I can learn about it. Like for instance, in baseball, it was, there's probably 10 different hitting philosophies in baseball. I learned them all. And then, and then I'm like, I got to learn them all. Tony Gwynn, like I went to Tony Gwynn. I went to the Brewers hitting. I went to all these different to learn all Charlie Lau, all these different hitting philosophies to ultimately make sense of how do I hit? Yeah. Right. Do I have a little Charlie Lau to me? Yeah. Do I have a little Tony Gwynn to me? Yeah. Do I have a little bit of Alex Rodriguez? Yeah. But I don't hit like Alex Rodriguez. Right. Um, so, and I'm doing it with golf now. So you say, do I have any hobbies that I'm doing that now? Yeah. I'm, I'm golf obsessed. <laughs> Which I don't know. I don't know if you can take on a worse endeavor. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It's so hard. But again, back to this idea of simplifying that we just had the masters, right. And Dustin Johnson won. And so naturally I'm like, what does he do? And I go on Google and I'm starting to learn and just get data on how does he think? What does he eat? What's his workout routine? And he said something that I grabbed onto again. He said, the golf swing is only two feet long. It's a foot before the ball, how the club enters the hitting zone. And it's a foot after how it leaves. Everything else is preference. And my jaw dropped. And I went, I got to go on the course and I got to go test that right now. And I did and it worked out really well. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. so let's go a little step further because there's your why, then yeah. there's your how, and uh-huh. then there's your what. Okay. And so what I've heard you say, based on our conversation, and I'm sure our listeners are going to hear this same thing, your why is to make sense of the complex and challenging, right? How yeah. you do that is by seeking mastery and understanding and what you ultimately bring is a simple solution to help others move forward. Couldn't have said it better myself. So that's, so your why is make sense. Your how is mastery and your what is simplify. Yeah, that's right. It nails it. It nailed. That's what's so, that's what's so crazy about what you've developed. I mean, it is like foolproof. When I did it, I'm like, how is this guy looking into my soul right now? <laughs> it's incredible. You don't, what you don't know is, so my why is to find a better way. How I do that is by making things clear and understandable. And what I bring is a simple solution, just like you. So for you, you're yeah. like, this is very simple. This is too simple. This is great. <laughs> yeah. So there's actually 1,500 possible question options, but you only had to answer 10. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And And I got done and I was like, that's it? (laughs) Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Now when you get up to speak, if you start your presentation by articulating to the audience why you do what you do, how you bring that to life and what they can count on from you. They'll see you from another, a different perspective. They'll Uh, understand you. Your stories will make so much sense to them because they'll see it come to life. Yeah. 
This is a guy that's trying to make sense out of it. He went so deep that he joined five freaking baseball teams to learn yeah. how to do it. But ultimately, he was just trying to simplify it so that it would he could do something with it. Yes, that's right. Right? You did it in yeah. baseball. You're doing it. You did it with your businesses. You do that with your coaching. You do that with your speaking. I do it in my relationship. I do it with my fitness. I. It's funny, like... Uh, I even posted on my Instagram, like before all of this and before I even knew this about myself, I posted simplicity is a symptom of mastery. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy how good that is, man. Which we do to be able to make sense. Yes, right? that's so right. That's the yeah. next little half a sentence right there. Yeah. So yeah when yeah. I talk to you, I have such a better idea of who I'm talking with and what mm -hmm. I can count on from you, right? Yeah. If I give you a problem, you're going to figure it out. But how you do it is you're going to dive in like way deeper than most people. But what Session, you come yeah. back with is something simple that I can use. Yeah. Yeah. You're yep. the perfect person to have as a coach. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. That, that makes, uh, it, that is actually what I do, right? Like I, I'm even doing it with my coaching clients right now where they're like, Hey, we're having trouble doing this. And I'm like, stand by yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to go test it myself. So what, what I'm really enjoy, what I enjoy about you, you in general is that you actually simplify it for me. Like when you just said that, I'm like, I need to do that in my presentations. Yep. Yeah. That's start awesome. It, start it that way. Yeah. So the rest makes uh, will understand you from that perspective, right? And they'll say, "Yeah, oh, I got, it. I get." Because normally, what people are trying to do is figure out who are you, right? Yeah. Listen to up there. Well, what's this guy's angle? What's what's going on with him? Yeah. Can I relate to the guy? Yeah. Yeah. Now you just tell him. This is why I do it. This is how I do it. This is what I do. Let me show you. Here's yeah. Proof. Here's proof of it. Yep. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. It simplifies it. So uh, when you speak at events, what are you typically uh, speaking about? So people come to listen to you. What's your or do you have tailor made uh, presentations or is there a specific thing that you like to talk about? You know, I used to have tailor made presentations. I mean, I've, I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them and made so many of them that now I don't really, I, I have, and this is so funny because it goes along with what we're talking about. I have a framework in my head that simplifies the whole thing. And so now I can just take any topic I want and put it in those frameworks. And so now I, I don't really, I don't really create presentations as so much as I, I go up and I, I allow my creativity within that framework to just be. You've mastered speaking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why would I all the speakers. I, yeah. Why would I expect yeah. anything different? <laughs> I mean, to, to your point, like, and for your listeners, I used to come home, um, you know, before I had really transformed my life, I used to come home to my apartment and I would set up a camera, a video camera on the other side of my one bedroom apartment with my dog. And I would practice speaking like I was speaking to thousands of people and I would watch it back and go, no, I got to do it like this. And then I'd watch Tony Robbins and then I'd watch this guy and then I'd watch that guy and it would just master, 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 master. I mean, obsession, really, Gary. <laughs> so what, what's great about that, though, is if I were to hire you, if I were to bring you in to, to speak or whatever you're going to yeah. do, it doesn't even matter. Now it's golf, right? 
you're yeah. going to follow that same thing. You're going to figure it out. You're going to dive in deep and you're going to simplify the heck out of it so that actually you can do it. Yes. And that's just who you are in everything you do. That's yeah. And so, and so you're, you're the master in this domain, right? So I have a kind of a question for you because I'll do that, right? I'll say, Hey, you know, this, this phone right here is very complex, but let me show you how to use it. So a baby can use it. Here's the simplicity of it. But there's some people, like if I present that to my brother, my brother will go, cool. How does that work? Dissemble it. And <laughs> they won't, they can't say they like, if I just go, Hey, just flip on the light switch. You'll get electricity. If you just flip it on my brother will be like, no, 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 let's take it apart. Let's figure out how it works. Like, what is that? So that's a great question. And that goes back to the golden rule versus the platinum rule, right? You know, the golden rule is treat everybody like you'd like to be treated. Yeah. And the platinum rule is treat everybody like they would like to be treated. Uh So if you knew your brother's why, you would present it in a way that he would hear it. Uh Right. I now know how to talk to you. Because I know how you think and what you're looking for and what interests you. That makes sense. Yes. If you knew this about your clients, if you discovered their why Mm -hmm. before you talk to them, you would speak in a way that they would hear it. That is amazing. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to speak the way you want to hear it. And then you're going to rely on hope. I hope I say enough things or I hope I say the right thing, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. Right. There's only a certain percentage. If I only am presenting the way that I hear it, there's only a certain percentage of people that are going to hear it. The rest won't. Yes. That makes sense. That's why if with your clients, if you first discover their why, how, and what you're home free. Yeah. You'll design the program. You'll speak to them. Everything will be based on how they want to hear it. Yeah. So it lands. Your results go way up. Yeah. I love it. And so that's, so what I started doing was a a lot of consulting type things where I would work with companies doing this. I've done it with about 500 companies now, Mm -hmm. but now what what I'm doing is I, I license the software that I have developed so that other people can do that. Yeah. You know, how big of an impact can I make by myself? Which is really incredible that you've broken it down to like a predictable science like that. Really brilliant. If anybody hasn't done the assessment, you should definitely do the assessment. You would do the same thing. Now that that I know your why, how, and what, you would have done it better probably than I would have because you would have gone even deeper in order to make sense out of it so you could simplify it so that somebody else could do it. So I like it so much. It's just so simple. (laughs) Exactly. Well, listen... It, David, it has been awesome talking to you. I'm so glad we got a chance to connect. I love your story. I love what you're doing. I see now why you're doing it, how you're doing it, and what it is you're bringing. And so yeah. for those of you that are listening and you want somebody that's you know is going to help you make sense out of it, you know is going to dive in deep to figure it out at a level that nobody else does and then deliver it to you in a simple way, David's the guy for you. I appreciate that, man. Yep. I appreciate that. And I've had a blast. This is one of the funnest podcasts I think I've ever done, man. This has been great. Awesome. So if people want to get a hold of you, how should they get a hold of you? Uh, They can visit uh, davidkesey.com, davidkesey.com, and they should be able to get a hold of me there. If not, they can shoot me an email at support at davidkesey.com. You better spell uh, Kesey. Good idea. So David Kesey, K-E-E-S is in Sam, E-E. 
And I was even wondering when I said it the first time, because I didn't ask you, I thought, oh man, I'm going to say this wrong. No matter what I say, it's going to be wrong. No, you nailed it, man. You did it good. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, I look forward to staying in touch and uh, as I'm we go on our journeys and I'm going to follow you for sure. I love what you're doing. Same here, man. I've had a blast. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and that through today's guest, you heard how important it is to know your why and how impactful it can be in your life and the lives of those around you. Be sure to head over to whyinstitute.com and discover your why today. Remember, the more you know about yourself, the more you'll know about others. I'm Dr. Gary Sanchez, and I'll see you on the next episode.